the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. First of all, welcome, everyone. It's Crystal and Georgine for today's Best Day Ever. Best Day Ever podcast. <laughs> and our special guest today is Caitlin Endress. She is Thank the you. mastermind behind Survival of the Flirtiest. It is her latest book, The Survival Guide for Finding and Keeping Healthy Relationships, all while looking and feeling fierce and fabulous. When I read that, I was absolutely like, I am in it. Can't wait. Today, we're going to be focusing on a wellness check. All of us ladies need to have one and just make sure that we're not just together physically, but mentally and spiritually. Caitlin, thank you so much for being with us. This is the best day ever. It is. You know, we were talking about what does the best day ever mean? What it means for me is this moment because it's the only one that we have. This moment we can choose to make it positive or we can choose to just kind of wallow in whatever else is going on in our lives. What does it mean to you, Caitlin? Well, isn't it just true what you're saying? Isn't it just true? I don't know if it's a woman trait or a successful person trait, but it's easy in the moment that you're also a little bit thinking about, what am I going to have for lunch later? And did I end up finishing that laundry load? And did I finish? Did I put gas in the car? Your your mind is like always somewhere else. And so when you were saying that, Crystal, it really resonated with me of like, stop it and just enjoy. Maybe you're in traffic right now, but you're breathing. You take a second to do a nice deep breath. Maybe you take a second to appreciate your family Maybe you had a child who just did well in a basketball game or your husband just did something and you're thinking, I'm proud of that guy. That's exactly what it means the best day ever. And just to be present is to just inhale and literally take it in where you are. And I think that can be more challenging when you're in a difficult season to really focus on the positive things in your life because it's so easy to become overwhelmed by the challenges without really remembering the grace and the good things that you're also experiencing. So that's a a challenge and a discipline for many women, uh, especially during those difficult times. Georgine, what a fantastic transition because Caitlin, your book is delving into a very difficult time in your life and that's why you wrote it. Can you just kind of give us a little insight? Yeah, and explain that title too. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. So the book is Survival of the Flirtist and I'm 31 in two weeks. So I'm in the season of my life where so many people are, starting their families, getting excited about their careers. And I was thinking, well, survival of the fittest is like the scientific, right? Like the fit will survive. I thought in this current climate of dating and relationships, it's the flirtist, the flirtist who survive. It's like the fit and the flirtiest. The book, it's hot pink. It's me. I'm wearing glitter. It's very glam. But by the end of the book, spoiler alert, to be a survival of the flirtist is actually flirting with the idea that life is great as it is now. And there's Mm. nothing but abundance and opportunity waiting for you. So long as you go with that spirit of gratitude and that spirit of openness to the abundance and the opportunity. So that's the book survival of the flirtist to flirt with the idea that everything's going to be all right. And actually that definition of all right is pretty terrific. You know, it's amazing as women, we so often imagine that if we only had And there's something that we aspire to that we don't have yet or may never actually achieve. But if we only had that, then I would be happy. If once I achieve this, then I'm going to enjoy life. 
there's always that thing out there that we don't yet have. But what you're suggesting is we need to be aware of the fact that at this very moment, if I'm living in gratitude, there is an abundance available to me that I can be happy despite what I don't have. And maybe in the future I'll have other things, but to really learn to appreciate what we do have. For sure. Yeah, for sure. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) So tell us what brought you to write the book in the first place. Well, you know, it's especially important that we don't dwell too much in the negative in life and especially in this podcast. But um, I had a pretty significant breakup um, in my life. So I'm sure you can relate if you're listening and maybe you've been through a significant relationship ending, a divorce, um, something I had defined my life. For me, it was a divorce. I had defined my life and my trajectory based on this relationship. And Um, It didn't work out and it didn't work out very quickly from the time we got married. And I've always been a writer, just journaling for myself. But when this happened, I felt like almost a voice spoke to me of, okay, now you need to get serious with your writing and chronicle your journey to wellness. Because even in my darkest moment, there was a resilience in me that everything will be all right. I just don't know. Am I going to take right, right, left or left, left, right? Do I need to do a few donuts in the parking lot? Do I drive straight? I didn't know how to get there, but I knew I was going to get there. So I started kind of journaling how I felt. And the book is, it's very raw and it's very honest. It's a companionship book. As you read it, you feel like you're right there with me. There's actually sections for you to write your own stories too. Yes. So I write my lesson. This is how I learned it. And then I say, what about you? When have you experienced this? And what resilience did you come out with? Well, Caitlin, not everybody went through this kind of devastating scenario. And I hope you don't mind me sharing it. No, please do. You got married, had a beautiful honeymoon, and then the day you got back, he left you? Yeah, it was uh, it was the day we got back. So in total, we were together after the wedding for 10 days. You know, I think that's the most challenging thing yes. is when the, the disaster is completely out of your control. It wasn't something that you had uh, desired. It happened to you. My question is, where did that resilience come from? You said right away you recognize that it, that you were going to bounce back, that life was going to be good again. But where did that come from? Because I think yes. for a lot of women, we wallow in that disappointment and fear and anger for a very long time without having a vision beyond where we are at that moment. Yeah, for sure. I think that we're all strategic. And if you're swimming, you're, you know, it's like left, right, left, right. And then you hit a wall and you go, what? I thought I was doing left, right. Um, the resilience was faith. And that's just plain and simple of I knew God had a plan for me, and I've had plenty of, you think you're going right, but you're going left. This was my most significant detour for sure, but it was it was faith. I knew that God wouldn't allow this to happen to me if this wasn't for a purpose, and now it's been four years. Four years later, I know my purpose is to help hmm. other women move on from devastations. My life would have been okay if we had stayed married and, and worked on it, or I don't know how that would have looked, but even if we had had probably a good marriage, I would be living in a small town, which is wonderful. Um, I would be committed to a healthcare practice that is also thriving and great. It's a good path, but for me, I'm a world traveler. I love fashion. I love to meet people. I want to be out. I got to experience new things. So as great of a path as that was, it honestly wasn't a fit for me. And I think that God knew that. And when God wants you to do something and you're not following, he's going to redirect you. Well, that was a redirection for sure. Sure was. (laughs) Uh, Tell us how life has transpired since then. And when you started writing this book, how difficult was it for you to be so open and honest about that tragic moment in your life? It was hard. It's been four years, as I mentioned. But when I actually, when I go there, like when I really wrote about it in the book and even now sharing a vulnerable moment with you ladies, 
my heart still starts to pound. My hands still start to shake. Like, it's real. And even though in my mind I know this was the right thing, I think it's only natural to still have a physical response. Oh, absolutely. Um, So it's still hard. It's still hard to answer you. And in today's society, it seems like it's becoming more and more easy for relationships to just kind of fall apart. What advice do you have for women who are in a relationship that they're trying to make work? I would never advise anyone to just, you know, just run away. Um, And it's hard to say because every woman's situation is so different. Right. And for me, we did not have children. We didn't have a house. We hadn't built a whole life. So I empathize with the women who who are like, okay, you know, you don't have so much that would be destroyed as maybe someone who'd been married for decades. So that's tough because I have not yet lived that. So I don't want to pretend that I have. But just from what I have experienced is that God will not give you something that you can't handle guardian angels came out of nowhere. People, I I was really kind of emotionally destitute. I felt like a desert. And this woman came into my life and she taught me how to craft, how to art and craft. And I didn't know I wanted to do that, but the therapy of it um, was exactly what I needed. And so I think the only advice that I could personally relate to here is to keep your eyes open for those angels because God will send them but you have to be open and looking as well. She taught me how to make a pillow. Thought, why do I, you know, why do I need a pillow? They're like a dollar at the dollar store. But the therapy, the catharticism, is that the right word, mm-hmm. of, of moving my fingers. And I felt as though each stitch and each weave I did, it was like, okay, I'm in control. I can sit here and weave. I can make something beautiful. And that was like a, a tiny step. Wow. I have something in my control. I can weave this pillow. And maybe that sounds crazy. Or maybe you're sitting here right now and thinking, I'm going to be at Michael's tonight. I'm going <laughs> to be weaving because I, I think just the little things to realize you still have some control in your life, even with those external stimuli, you can do something. You know, you made a really important comment that God never gives you more than you can handle because we're not intended to handle those events and life in general on our own. If we were on our own, then it would be more than we could handle. But he says that he will come along and provide what we need to move forward. I know that one of the things you mentioned is that he provided relationships that encouraged you. The work of your hands were creative and you could see hope again and a brightness Mm. in your future because of the relationship that was being forged that came out of nowhere, as Mm -hmm, you put it. mm -hmm. How important were relationships with other people, other women in particular, to helping you to have that vision forward that you could see life that is happy again, that you could see a purpose and a hope for your life in the future? I think that's such a good question. The big takeaway is that, of course, your romantic relationship means everything. That is your partner in life. That is your love. That is the person who has your back. But it's not the only person sitting at your table. It may be the person you sit next to in your table of life. You maybe share share your meals and your plates and you take a sip of his tea and he has some of your coffee. But there's other people sitting at your table who care deeply about you as well. So the relationships with my parents strengthened the relationships of the women who were my bridesmaids. They stood by my side the day we got married and they stood by my side when I sent the paperwork in. Those relationships strengthened because although it's not a romantic love, it is still a valuable love. So it gave me the opportunity to appreciate and cherish those relationships and they have flourished. What do you think might have happened if you had isolated yourself, which is so common, the response that a woman has? She is hurt. She's devastated, maybe a little embarrassed. And the natural tendency is to withdraw and isolate. 
How do you think that might have impacted your future if you had chosen to do that rather than be open to the possibility of happiness in the future and relationships that came your way? Well, been there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Of course, when something falls apart, I think there's never really anything quite sure. So he delivered the news. But both of us, he and I both were like, are we really sure? You know, and we did seek some therapy for some Mm. guidance. Uh, Is this the right move? Because it's pretty significant to choose to get a divorce. It was not taken lightly. I think I used humor to just kind of heal my wounds Mm -hmm. over it. But it was a serious matter. It wasn't like, oh, well, see you later. We wanted to be darn sure that this was the right move. Caitlin, Um, I love that you're A-type personality. You acknowledge that in this book (laughs) and that you immediately started reading books, anything on self-help. But you realize that. That's not what you needed. Yes. And I love that you just said you needed to laugh. Mm-hmm. You you needed to feel hope again. You needed a friend. I did need a friend. And I didn't have one at first because I was embarrassed, just like Georgine said. I was I was humiliated, honestly. Um, so I did not tell right away. I started working a ton and people were like, You're a newlywed. You should be at home, you know, doing newlywed things and, and I just kinda laughed off and said, Oh, I've got a lot of bills to pay for that wedding but the truth was I didn't want to go home and I don't know that he wanted me to be home. So I just worked hard and that gave me a little bit of financial security. But I did reject my relationships at first. The book is a companion for you if you're in that time. So at first, I I didn't have those relationships because I was so embarrassed to say. Um, But as I slowly, slowly opened up, um, my parents were the first to know. Then my best friend was next to know. And, of course, they got a what? You know, the the reaction right away is like, you're joking. I met your parents, and they are adorable. They are. To to be able to ask her dad, he's like, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the book a lot. He had some really good, um, really good wisdoms. But as I opened up to my friends, it was nothing but love. Yeah. Um, And I think a real friend is someone who isn't just by your side to celebrate, but also there to wipe the tears. So it was, I didn't get any bad receptions. You know, a, a lot of people were mad. That's not an emotion I personally experienced. I was embarrassed. I was maybe low on the hope for a while, uh, lonely, afraid. But anger wasn't something I personally experienced. But a lot of other people did. So I guess I just find that interesting that rage is, it's natural. I just didn't get it. But it was open arms is how they received me. What you've described, though, is a process. I think for women listening, they might imagine that you went from Uh, The announcement, I don't want to be with you anymore, to just being joyful and life moving on. But there is a process, and it's (laughs) perfectly natural for there to be a season in which you grieve the loss of what you had anticipated would be your life for decades to come. So it's perfectly natural, and give yourself room to grieve the loss that you have experienced, but also have an openness to what God might supply in terms of relationships, friendships, opportunities, and things that remind you that even though the husband that you had vowed to uh, to love has left, that God has not left. He has promised never to leave or forsake. And you can always turn to him and know that he's got your back, that he is providing for your future and that there is hope and joy coming. I felt as though my lowest moments when I thought, what's next? The only thing I could do was just say, hands off God, my hands, not yours. Yeah, yeah. I, I need you here. So I'm open to you. And that's actually a prayer I still hold almost every day of, What is it, God, that you will have me do? Mm -hmm. How will you use me today? And I just pray that you keep me open and available to do that. If I'm gripping that steering wheel too hard, give me the courage to just take my hands off because I know you've got it. But it's easy to get bogged down if I got to do this and I need to do this and that. And that's the only thing. But you're not going to make it if you do that. Therapy was a part of your journey as well. 
And we really want to help our listeners understand that it's okay if you need to go. We go to a doctor when we're sick. We go to a nutritionist when we need help learning how to eat right. How do you destigmatize therapy in your book? Oh, I talk about how much therapy has helped me. And I think you just nailed it the way that you were explaining it, too, of if you need your house painted, call a house painter. Nobody blinks an eye at that. So I think that we can all hold each other accountable of it's all right to seek some help. I have a new relationship. The opportunity to meet the love of my life came from the devastating event four years ago. I would have never met him. I would have never relocated had God not redirected me. Surprise, you're actually moving to Southern California. I didn't think that was going to happen. But in my new relationship, he is incredible. And I had said to him, I would like to go to some therapy. I was really nervous to tell him, actually. I thought, is he going to think I'm nuts? Is he going to think I'm crazy? And and I said, I there's a lot of big changes coming in my life, and I'd rather go into them prepared. I want to be proactive instead of reactive when I start to panic, if I start to panic. So I told him, I am seeking therapy. And his answer surprised me. He said, can I go with you? And I said, yes. You know, are you sure? Because I'm going to be totally vulnerable in there. There's going to be no secrets. And he said, yeah, I have some baggage of my own I'd like to unpack. I don't want you to be affected by things of my past. So let's go together and let's unpack our baggage with the help of a doctor instead of things festering or brewing on the horizon. And we've gotten so many... If this, then do that. We have a full tool belt. And in the last two years, I got to tell you, we've used, I think, every tool <laughs> that we've gotten. We've had some doozies come our way, but it makes me feel more prepared. Mm-hmm. And because I am that type A personality, when a real curveball comes, I go, okay, which which bat do I, am I going to hit it right or left? And he's right by my side. So it's a way to be proactive as life's curves ball. Well, that can be a real challenge because men tend, I don't want to overgeneralize, but men are tend to be reluctant to seek therapy. That so is the truth. Finding someone who is open to... <laughs> Our season uh, to that, to, That's open to that kind of counseling is a, a rare gem. And if you're praying for a, a future uh, partner, you might want to pray about someone who has that kind of openness to anticipate the challenges that everyone faces in the context of relationship to avoid the uh, really difficult things that come down the line. You, you're already prepared for and anticipate that they're coming. So... Absolutely. Kudos for any man who says, yeah, I agree. I I love that. (laughs) I love how you you say getting a wellness check. And that's what I call therapy. Getting a wellness Mm -hmm. check is how you find those small moles before they change into a melanoma. And that's pretty much what you guys did. For sure. Yeah, little, let's say there's like trust issues or what's another common thing that people might come in? Confidence, problems. Money, how money, to raise your kids. Uh, in-laws, yeah, child, <laughs> child. So all those things, everybody has their own agenda of how that should be done. So having those conversations early of, you know, like a, this wonderful man in my life, he has five kids. So I want to know how I can participate with that and support him to be the best father he can be. Instead of something happening and saying, you know, I don't really agree with the way that was handled. You can't prepare for everything. But there's some big ticket items that we just listed of. Let's have those conversations now while we're both cool, calm, and collected. Right. Not when the storm hits and we're wondering, where's the umbrella? You know, I think, too, though, you are preparing your heart to be tender when those unexpected things happen. Because if you have developed a pattern in which the two of you are collaborating on how to move forward on those challenging issues you have prepared for, it seems to me you're more likely to be open to collaborate on things you hadn't anticipated. So I think it's like developing a muscle. You have a reflex now that says when this challenge comes, our natural um, default is 
to to come together and resolve the situation. So I think there's a benefit to just having that practice developed in the course of building a relationship. And speaking of the relationship, when we grow up as little girls, we're always thinking about, oh, what is that Prince Charming? Mm -hmm. What is he going to be like? But a lot of times we don't ask, what kind of partner or what kind of wife am I going to be? Did your therapist help you with that? Yes, for sure. I think a lot of it happens outside of therapy. It's um, sort of a lifestyle of figuring out who you are. And it's so true. We can say, oh, he should be like kind. He should be generous. He should be funny. But then, well, who am I? What do I have to offer? And what will it look like when we combine those two things? And when you really think about it, if there's two strangers who meet and now they're making the decision to join together to navigate the waters of the unknown, eventually someone's going to say, well, what is it that you want? And if you don't even know, how is he supposed to know? Right. So there should, if we could just destigmatize the journey that it takes to be a whole person yourself before you join. And let's say that you're joined. There's plenty of time to decide now. I want to work on myself and be a, a better partner for my partner. And let me tell you, it inspires your partner to also want to be better. Giving respect is the best way to get it. And I've never been in a healthier place emotionally with the love of my life and I. Going to that couple's therapy on a regular basis, my own therapy, it's freeing because there's the fear is no longer there. You feel capable of making decisions for yourself when you really know what it is you want. And how do you know that if you don't ask? That's it. What would you like your audience to take away from Survival of the Flirtist? Well, you're going to get a best friend in 120 pages or less, for sure. <laughs> it's a good read. It's a quick and it's an easy read. And it just feels like a hot chai tea latte or whatever your beverage of choice is. Now, is it that just... with whip or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if you want, yes, extra whip, no whip, foam. It's a comforting, friendly read. You feel a sense of companionship. On your own time, if you have 10 minutes here or a couple hours if you're at the beach, it feels warm is what they'll get from it is it feels like a warm friendship and hope to see, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. People are going through much worse than having a marriage of 10 days, you know, and I totally get that. But that's been my truth. So that's all I can really share. But the hope that whatever it is you're going through, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that it's okay if you just need to laugh yeah. a little bit. Take your hands off just a tiny bit, trust it, and just get a laugh. It's so Because free. it is the best day ever. It is the Especially best day when ever. you're reading Survival <laughs> of the Flirtist. We want to thank you so much for being with us. And I think when you put him first, everything falls into place. That's the truth. And him is God. Let's just be clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. This is Crystal from 104.1 The Fish. And we want to thank you again for being with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.